1: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Woohoo! Let's go! Fantasy Football Diagnostics, Greg. Today is a wonderful day, the genesis of the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. My name is John June. You can follow me at Nerd. You can follow us at FF Diagnostics on Twitter and on Instagram. Same handle. Greg, how you doing today, buddy?
0: Doing great today, man. I'm glad to be here. It's been a long time coming. Some fantasy football seasons back. I'm itching for some football. Uh, let's do it. Let's get right to it, man. All
1: right, man. So uh, fantasy football diagnostics. Just give you a heads up what we're all about here. Um, we're here to provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football, whether it's season-long, Dynasty, DFS, or even IDP. We've got you covered all season long. Um, my, I, myself, I've been playing fantasy football for about 12 years now, playing in all different types of leagues. I've been playing everything from season-long, standard PPR, half-point PPR, uh, two quarterback leagues, uh, keeper, Dynasty, IDP, um, anywhere from six to 16 team leagues, um, I, I even play DFS now, too, so um, that's the, yeah, the span of my fantasy football experience.
0: Now, just to go off what John was saying, uh, been in fantasy football since about, like, 2012 at this point. Uh, started when the standard was the norm, back in the caveman days. Uh, so, going from full point to half point, PPR, keeper leagues, dynasty leagues as well, uh, and also playing in some 16-team leagues, which is very painful, I would like to say. You just scrap for the bottom of the barrel at that point.
1: But if you're listening to us, scraping the bottom of the barrel will not be as hard, because we are here for, uh, that's our expertise is finding those guys, those late round people um, that, that, need, that you need to push your lineup over the edge. Um, so our goal here is to provide you with the best football analysis that we can. We watch the game, we look at the stats, and we use those within context. Um, and most importantly, we don't always agree on everything. Um, We have a difference of opinion on everything from players to draft strategies to all different kinds of things. Most importantly, we're both extremely invested in the advice that we give because we are following this advice in all of our leagues ourselves, right? So um, the advice that we're giving you is not just things that we believe or we read, but it's the things that we're actually doing in our own fantasy leagues.
0: Yeah, as John was saying, we're heavily invested here. Got a lot of leagues on the line that I want to win championships for. And uh, I think this is a good place that I'm going to come to and a good place that other people should come to as well. Uh, for today's agenda, we're going to go right into camp news. We're going to talk about who's in, who's out, who's dinged up, who's uh, coming in hurt, and who's, who's getting more time, more first-team snaps, second-team snaps, because um, that's important. You want to stay up-to-date uh, and make sure some stuff is not just smoke. So we're going to look into that, and then we're going to go right into talking about some league settings that we saw seen around the league of other leagues that commissioners are putting in and other people putting in and also that we put in so to limit like tanking to limit make the league more fun uh so we can just have like an open forum here to talk about that and lastly we want to talk about tips for people that are new to fantasy and just tips in general to you know help you guys get that edge coming into your drafts and just be ready to go so let's get right to it let's do this
1: all right so uh, i guess let's jump right into it uh, running back Deontay Foreman was waived on a Sunday by the Houston Texans um, we found out today Monday August 5th that he was since claimed by the Indianapolis Colts when we look at news our our main thing is always going to be how do you react as a fantasy owner um, if you're reacting at all so with that being said Greg how are you reacting to this news of Deontay Foreman being waived by the Texans on Sunday
0: so at first, when I uh, saw him on the weekend, I was kind of hurt personally. This man is on my dynasty team. Uh, I've had him for since the side of the time I've been had on the dynasty team. Um, and but I think you know when you first see the re- news and the reaction, you want to be patient. You uh, don't want to go ahead and just cut him right away, especially if he's someone that you have in your dynasty team. And if you're just looking at him from a redraft league. It's definitely not someone you're going to see on your radar right now. Him going to the Colts uh, definitely puts more focus on Lamar Miller, I think, at the, in the Texans situation. I think they are giving him the full keys to the truck. Uh, they're relying on him to have some of that volume that he's been giving them for the past couple of years. And it's crazy because we were talking about how the Texans were maybe rumors coming in that they would trade for Melvin Gordon because that's uh, maybe one of the few teams that can – uh take to do that and get that off but we'll we'll see how that uh, goes with the Lamar miller in that situation and then dante foreman with the colts now on a deep roster uh not sure how his outlook is going to be but we'll see if he can kind of sneak into that handcuff role for marlon mack
1: yeah to kind of piggyback off of that um you know Lamar miller i find is just an interesting subject because he's going as the rb30 right now in, in half point ppr 12 12 team league drafts um that would put him at about the top of the sixth round. And so you're telling me you're going to get a running back for um, a high-powered offense uh, with, with, a, with a great quarterback in Deshaun Watson, um, and you're telling me that running back is going 30th behind guys like Kenyon Drake and Tariq Cohen and James White, you know, Sonny Michelle, guys that aren't seen as, as the bona fide starters on their teams. All right, so I see Lamar Lamar Miller going in the sixth round. I I personally see that as a value, um, and if I'm in, in need of a of a running back, or maybe I went wide receiver heavy in my first my first few picks. Uh, Lamar Miller is definitely somebody I'm taking a look at a look at with that sixth round ADP. Um, and back to to Dante Foreman now being on the Colts, um, I think that we're looking at him to be a direct backup to Marlon Mack. Um, I don't think he's in competition with Naheem Hines. I think Naheem Hines has his own role on that team as the pass catching the pass catching back. But um, somebody like Dante Deontay Foreman, he's uh, hopefully gonna try to slide in there as the backup to Lamar uh, sorry, got my teams messed up. As a backup there to Marlon Mack. Um, I think that his his spot on the roster uh, probably spells trouble for a running back like Jordan Wilkins. Um, fifth-round pick last year, the Indianapolis Colts, um, who struggled in his limited opportunity uh, to back up Marlon Mack when Marlon Mack was injured at the beginning of the year, various points throughout the year. Um, He struggled every time he was given that opportunity. So I think this spells trouble for him. Um, And and if Deontay Foreman can somehow uh, prove to this Colts offense or this Colts coaching staff that he can actually come in and, and be a viable backup to Marlon Mack, Maybe he'll, he'll siphon some carries if Marlon Mack does somehow get injured again or maybe he falls flat on his face as a starter. Um, but to be in this backfield on an offense where you're expecting the Colts to be contending in the AFC, you're, you're expecting them to be putting up a lot of points, um, I'm definitely going to pay attention to Deontay Foreman. I'm not going to add him. I'm not going to do anything drastic like you said, um, but I'm definitely just going to keep my eye on the situation.
0: Yeah, you definitely got to pay attention to this situation. Um, Just talking about how tough this backfield is going to be hard to break through, Marlon Mack from week six on last year was RB8 in fantasy, so this man is a stud when he's healthy and ready to go. He helps the offense um, as a whole, so we'll see uh, how that goes. All
1: right, awesome. So, um, on to some contract signings, right? We got Tom Brady here, Patriots quarterback, signing a two-year contract extension. And me, I'm a Big time Jets fans, so um, I was talking all this trash about how Tom Brady's going into the last year. uh, The the first time in 20 years that Tom Brady's entering the last year of a contract. Um, And sure enough, as I'm talking all this trash, the uh, Belichick and and the New England Patriots decided to get this this contract, this two-year contract extension done. Um, Seems to be... uh, additional two years that were added onto the deal and he's going to set to make a to get an eight million dollar raise this year from 15 million to 23 million dollars how are you reacting to this greg if at all
0: so tom brady i'm a huge giants fan so definitely anti tom brady anti patriots as a whole but this is kind of funny because john literally was talking almost every day about hey this is tom brady's you know first year coming into a season without a contract first year coming into a season without a contract and we're all sitting there you know tom brady's going to be a pat he's going to be there when it's said and done uh for years to come that man might play till he's 50 years old uh yeah I'm not surprised here uh Tom Brady's a stud Hall of Fame quarterback uh to, you know your average fantasy quarterback it does be has to do for you but you know if I as a guy on off the field excellent
1: yeah I think uh I think a lot of my that I, I find a, I, I can't get enough wins against the Patriots as it is being a Jet fan So I I try to take solace in the little wins that I can get. So just, I guess, bear with me on that one. Um, So moving on, we got Theo Riddick signs a one-year deal with Denver. Two and a half million dollar deal, one million dollar guaranteed. So I guess I'll just jump right into this. Um, I think Theo Riddick, the signing is not substantial in any way. Um, He probably adds passing down insurance, but if anybody's on this, um, if anybody on this roster should be nervous about their job, it's, it's not Philip Lindsay. It's not Royce Freeman. I think I would point to Devontae Booker on um, the long time. Uh, Denver Broncos running back. Uh, I think that we saw him become, um, get his job in, taken in a sense last year by undrafted free agent Philip Lindsay and a combination of uh, fourth round pick Royce Freeman or third round pick Royce Freeman. My apologies. Um, but Theo Riddick I think is he's purely a passing cat a passing down back. He is not going to come in here and steal any carries away from Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman. Um but I, I do think if I'm Devontae Booker, I'd be nervous about my
0: roster spot. Yeah, talking about Devontae Booker, I remember hearing his name like year after year uh, of him getting opportunity and him getting chances. So uh definitely I agree with you there. Definitely hit to him and his value. I don't think it's hit to Either Royce or Philip Lindsay, both are looking pretty good in camp right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if that that doesn't really affect those two. Uh, Theo Riddick got cut from the Lions, uh, given that feet the keys to carry on. So happy about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, to kind of piggyback onto that, um, A, Theo Riddick, uh, you know, being in the passing down back, I think that if you know if anything were to ever happen to Philip Lindsay in this backfield, I mean personally, I know that you know everyone's going back and forth about Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman. Um, I think that this is Philip Lindsay's backfield. Um, I was a huge Royce Freeman truther last year, but I finally seen the light. Philip Lindsay is the real deal. Uh, I do think this is his backfield. But if God forbid, if anything were to ever happen to him, I think Theo Riddick slides into a, a substantial passing down role. Um, Joe Flacco in his career has, has constantly checked the ball down to running backs. Um, so I think that if, if anything were to happen to Philip Lindsay, that Theo Riddick would have somewhat of a role. Um, but back to Karyon Johnson, uh, this really does open Karyon's door to RB1 conversation. I think uh, prior to Theo Riddick being released by the Lions, Karyon uh, Johnson was a borderline uh, RB1, and just just so we're 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 clear here, when Greg and I refer to RB1, or you see that written, that's usually denotes a top 12 running back in a 12-team league. Um, and so, on Johnson on a lot of lists was was in that 13 to 15 range. I think that um, the the worry with him was that he would get the lack, he would have a lack of passing down work due to Theo Riddick's presence. Um, but with him being Theo Riddick now being released from Detroit, I think Lions running back on Johnson now does have a passing down role. And this is something that he was able to do at in his time at Auburn. Um, he was he was uh, he was hyped as a three-down back coming out of the draft. Um, we just didn't get to see that last year because he had to share time with guys like LeGarrette Blunt and Theo Riddick. But I think now we're going to see the true force that is on my wayward
0: son. Yeah, I got to totally agree with you on that. The man, on when I saw him in college, I think it just, you know, I would text you, I remember, it reminded me straight of Le'Veon, the way his playing style, the way he has patience behind the line, and it's totally coming through right now. They The Lions are starting to see the same thing. They have full faith in him. Uh, they're going to give him some responsibilities pat, catching the ball, which helps in uh, PPR leagues, which we do here. We're on all half-point PPR leagues at least. And, yeah, on Johnson is going to be dope uh, definitely a person you need to pick up and I wouldn't be surprised if he works out to be a guy you're drafting at the top of your draft next year.
1: All right. So moving on, we got Jaquiz Rogers running back signs with the New Orleans Saints. Um, this isn't really news of note. You know, we're not, no one's scurrying to their leagues to go pick up Jaquiz Rogers or he's not vaulting up draft boards, but I put this down here because this is just a reminder to all the people out there. Um, Greg,
0: how much do I love Alvin Kamar? Let's just say Alvin Kamar should be on this man, John's dynasty team right now. Uh, he passed up on him, um, but he has been on Kamar since back in college at Tennessee. This man, uh, you know, he's everything for John. Uh, he tries to, I think he tries to give him every league for, for season long, just to make up to the fact that he doesn't have him in dynasty.
1: See, so I would agree with everything Greg said there, except for that last part, because the last two years, um, even though I love Kamara very, very much, um, going into last year, I said that uh, New York Giants running back Saquon Barkley would finish higher than than Kamara. Um, and this year, as we talk, which actually that turned out to be true, um, in half of the PPR league, Saquon finished higher than Kamara. Um, but... This year, my biggest my biggest thing is, uh, you know, Greg says that he would take Kamara with the number one overall pick. Um, I've combated that and that thought process, and I've I've constantly come back and said I would take Christian McCaffrey. Um, I had originally had Kamara rated as my number one back, but since I've moved on to McCaffrey. Um, and the reason why I'm so down on Kamara, and when I when I say down, I'm not down. I'm not I'm not saying this man should go in the second round. I'm just saying I wouldn't take him with the number one overall pick. Because um, as we try to parse through all these decisions, we try to mitigate, we try to take out, try to consider and mitigate as much of the risk as we can. Um, and so when I look at Alvin Kamara and I look at you know his situation, I see his head coach and Sean Payton, and obviously Sean Payton's one of the best offensive minds that we've seen in this decade of football, um, but it's just a reminder when they sign a guy like Jacquez Rogers, it's just a reminder that Alvin Kamara, without, with or without Mark Ingram, is never going to get this backfield entirely to himself, and that is one of the things that when I look at guys like Christian McCaffrey, when I look at even a guy like Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott, if he, if he decides to come back when he comes back, um, I have to then consider that, that Alvin Kamara is Sean Payton has never been a guy to give uh, to give 90 to 100% of the running back work. Even if you want to look back to last year when it was Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, the year before that when it was Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, or when it was Mark Ingram and Darren Sproles and Reggie Bush, um, you know, Pierre Thomas, it goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, Saints running backs have constantly been rotated in and out. And while I'm saying Jacquez Rogers may not have a huge role, I – you know, I do see some opportunities for him to siphon some of this pass-down work from Alvin Kamara, or Latavius Murray to siphon some of this short yardage and goal line work from Alvin Kamara. So, um, while this isn't news of note, it's something that I think that we have to just remember uh, when we're, during this draft season.
0: Yeah, just to go off that, I totally agree. Christian McCraffy is probably the safest pick in the draft, but when you want to talk about a guy that's going to get you possibly 30 points per game, and that's Almost what he did last season without Mark Ingram. Games without Mark Ingram, the first four games because he was suspended. In Fanduel scoring, Kamara averaged 29.7 points per game. That makes him the RB one in fantasy. I think you're gonna see something not to a 30 points per game, obviously, but uh, almost to that effect of him getting about 200 carries again, uh, up to 80 to 90 receptions around that 275 to 300 touch mark. So. Uh, the man is highly efficient and productive, Uh think him and McCaffrey. Honestly, when we're talking here, when you're going with, between Saquon McCaffrey and Kamara, you're not going to really miss if you're at that top of the spot. So uh, just love me some Kamara, baby.
1: All right, so moving on, um, looks like we got some, some injuries. We got some people coming back from injuries. Um, Raiders wide receiver Antonio Brown is seeing a foot specialist. Uh, he's considered day-to-day. Um, I find this one interesting because Antonio Brown is someone that I've talked about ad nauseam um, this offseason. Uh, I actually believe that he's being undervalued. Um, he's currently going in the second round of half-point PPR drafts, um, the end of the second round, as wide receiver eight. Um, I think that we are forgetting that this is possibly the best wide receiver in football since Jerry Rice. Um, everyone's... Pointing at the quarterback situation, um, and yes, I understand he's he's going he's getting a downgrade from Ben Roethlisberger to Derek Carr. But while we may not see the touchdown upside uh, and the maybe the yardage upside that Antonio Brown once had, I think that he'll he's still in the ballpark of 90 to 100 receptions, which I think at the end of the season, everybody will be happy with that. But you don't want to see a 31-year-old wide receiver um, having foot problems in training camp. It's, it's, it's just not, it's not ideal. It's um, something that could always linger during the season. Um, and these are the kinds of things you want to consider when you're making these draft decisions. You know, preseason injuries, uh, training camp injuries, they find a way to linger throughout the start of the season, um, and you don't want to be in, in a position where, you know, your, your top wide receiver or your second-round pick wide receiver isn't in your lineup.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so seeing the foot specialist um, saying that it's not very serious right now, but you definitely got to keep an eye on that throughout camp. Uh, is he going to hold out on practice? Uh, we know he's not going to get many uh, preseason snaps. It's not something you, you want to see maybe in the third preseason game here or there. But just to say of how Derek Carr, Derek Carr is able to have a number one receiver on his offense. He's done it before with Amari Cooper. And we could all agree that Amari Cooper is an Antonio Brown. So I think with Antonio Brown, you got to see uh, just as good as a season that he's been putting up on the Steelers. Uh, Right now he's around where guys are. Juju's ahead of him. He's around where Mike Evans is. Uh, I think that's pretty valued where he should be right now. Maybe I'll put him a little bit ahead of Juju and right under Tyreek Hill. But, yeah, A.B.'s a stud. He's the best receiver in the game, I want to say, talent-wise right up there with DeAndre Hopkins.
1: All right, so moving on, um, a guy that's probably not going to be fantasy relevant. um, but you know, still want to cover it. Kareem Hunt was cleared to practice on Sunday. Um, he, was re- he was returning from a groin injury. Um, but let's just jump right into Damian Williams, who's going in the second round of fantasy drafts. Damian Williams has been sidelined with a hamstring injury, it seems like. Um, and it seems as if Carlos Hyde taking advantage. What do you think about that, Greg?
0: Uh, yeah, Carlos Hyde coming in, trying to take advantage of that situation. Um, I think they talked to the Chiefs O.C. Uh, he's kind of downplaying that a little bit. Uh, I don't think he wants to start the rumors where Damian Williams is hurt and Carlos Hyde is going to come right in and kind of take the job. So I still think it's Damian Williams' job uh, to lose. Um, but it's very interesting as, as far as a hamstring. Hamstring is a very you know, big muscle. It's a very lingering issue. So got to definitely keep an eye on that. Why'd you go through camp?
1: Yeah, um I think this is important to keep to keep note of too because we just gotta remember something here about Damian Williams, right? This is a, a running back that uh, he was a late round pick or almost undrafted if I, I can't remember, um, to the Miami Dolphins and he was a career backup um mainly special teamer. And we didn't see Damian Williams or any of this type of level of production out of Damian Williams until last year. Uh, and it kinda reminds you that Hey, is it Damien Williams here, or is this Andy Reid? You know, and this offense here, uh, you know, they signed Carlos Hyde almost immediately after he was he was available to be signed, um, and, and and that right there was was kind of you know was was kind of uh, a red a little bit of a red flag, something to keep note of. Um, but now Damien Williams has his hamstring injury, like you said, hamstring linger. This could be a problem. Um, you know, running backs, they, they, they need their hamstring, you know, I mean, especially if you're playing football, you need a hamstring, but running backs, especially um, you want to push through piles, you want to run through contact, you know, you're going to need that hamstring. And if he can't push, if he can't cut the way he, the way he does, um, then he's not going to be the same Damian Williams that we saw uh, winning people, winning people championships at the end of last season, or even tearing through teams in the playoffs. Um, So, you know, let's, I think, to note, like we talked about, Carlos Hyde, uh, you know, running back Daryl Williams, who was, draft, who was uh, drafted last year. I think they also have D- Darwin Thompson there. Um, so these are just names to keep track of. Again, and another thing is Andy Reid, while Eric the the offensive coordinator, may not have tried to uh, make a big deal of the situation. Uh, beat writers in uh, Kansas City said Andy Reid seemed frustrated by the situation um, when discussing Damian Williams and his lack of practicing. And actually, he was the one that said Carlos Hyde was taking advantage of this opportunity. So uh, when Andy Reid, the head coach of this football team, says something like that, I'd take note of
0: it. Yeah, I agree with everything you were saying right there about that situation. Um, I think we can move on.
1: Yeah. All right. So Andrew Luck um, seems to be sitting out three days of practice with a calf injury. Are you concerned about this, Greg?
0: Just a little tease. Andrew Luck is definitely in my top three for Outlook as far as the season. I think the calf injury, it does help hurt him as far as, you know, getting passes off, getting that lower body power. But uh, I think he should be fine in the long run. Uh, If anyone's going to manage a situation better, this going to be Andrew Luck. It's going to be the Colts. They know how much they've invested in him. He's already come back from a season uh, of shoulder injury. That we thought he may not ever throw a football again. So I think he's a pretty resilient guy. who I think, will be okay going forward. Yeah, I think
1: uh, head coach of the Indianapolis coach Frank Reich and and the whole Colts coaching staff as a whole. Um, I think they're they're going to manage this pretty well. Um, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on this throughout the you know the rest of the preseason. I and mean, he's probably not going to play much in the preseason. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll keep an eye on this during camp. But I I don't think this is much to be concerned about. Um, or something that could even potentially linger. Um, and then finally, um, this one hit today, um, Bears tight end, Trey Burton, um, I guess is recovering from sports hernia surgery, um, is unlikely to, pr- to play this preseason. This one, I, uh, you know, when a guy is not expected to play in the preseason, a starter, um, I don't necessarily uh, – I'm not too concerned about that because starters uh, aren't planned. Aren't supposed to play that much in the preseason anyway. Um, I I didn't actually I can't I'm going to be honest here I didn't read too much into this I don't know if he's expected to be back week one or anything I don't know what the prognosis is on that. But I if I'm not mistaken I think Trey Burton had a uh, a sports hernia surgery last year around this time too if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I think if from a dynasty perspective. Um, if I had Trey Burton, I think that this is something that I would consider a bit of a red flag. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I actually am high on Trey Burton's prospects this year. I, I would look for this to, to lower his ADP. Um, I'm not sure where he's going right at this point right now. Um, just check. By the way, we pull up all this ADP data on fantasyfootballcalculator.com. Um, you know, we usually use all this to see where guys are going in drafts. Um, it's great. It's a great tool to have. But Trey Burton is currently the tight end 11 going in the 10th round of 12, 12 team leagues. Uh, I would look for him to slip out of that that, that 11th overall uh, slot um, and fall below guys like Delaney Walker and Austin Hooper. Um, and personally, if you ask me, uh, if, assuming he's healthy week one, I'm buying at that price all day
0: long. Yeah, for sure. 10th uh, round right now for him. Um Yeah, right now, a healthy Trey Byrne, I think that's very good value and probably a very good high-scoring offense this year, the Bears. You think they look for Mitch Trubisky to improve in that offense, but definitely with this injury, sports hernia, it's been affecting a lot of players around me. Also, shout out to Luke Voigt, who also had a sports hernia injury with uh, the Yankees. Um, you got to look at Trey Burton falling out lower. I would definitely want to take Delaney Walker at this point right right now, above him. Delaney Walker is just a solid guy year in and year out. He's probably arguably the best pass catcher on the Titans right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, Trey Burton finished as a tight end seven last year in in, in half-point PPR leagues. Um, I would expect for him to finish, you know, be going currently as a tight end 11. I I would 100% expect him to to, uh, to outperform that draft slot. And in regards to Delaney Walker, um, I'm pretty sure he just picked up, he just applied for his AARP card uh, this weekend, this past weekend. Um, so maybe you might want to not draft him. <laughs> but we, we talk about that later. Um, the last thing we have here, just something I thought was interesting. Um, Cardinals wide receiver sixth round pick, Keyshawn Johnson. Now relation to, no relation to former NFL wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson, um, actually spelled differently here too. Um, but he, he appears to be running as the obvious number three wide receiver, um, running ahead of higher drafted teammates, Andy Isabella, second round pick, and fourth round pick Akeem Butler. Um, I thought this was interesting because Keyshawn Johnson was somebody that was on my dynasty rookie radar um, heading into dynasty league drafts. Uh, he was someone that I thought, uh, even prior to the draft, would be uh, could be worth a shot if drafted, depending on which team he got drafted for. Unfortunately, he ended up not going until the sixth round, and he went to a team that had already drafted uh, three wide receivers ahead of him. Um, three wide receivers or two. I think there's one that's not on this list. Um, but either way, uh, Andy Isabella and Akeem Butler both drafted ahead of him. But he seems to be running ahead of them in, in, in Cardinals camp. And, you know, usually we don't care about the number three wide receiver, but that all depends on the team, right? And uh, rumors out of Arizona are that this offense is going to be uh, a spread offense. It's going to be um, that kind of like that air raid offense that we've seen in Texas Tech and um, Cliff Kingsbury's offenses, Mike, Leach, Mike Leach's offenses of the past. Uh, so these, they're, they're going to be flooding the field with receivers, and if Keyshawn Johnson is on this field, um, you know, getting snaps as that number three receiver, um, primarily on the outside, uh, I, that's someone that I'd, I'd be interested in, because, you know, to be honest, I'm interested in this Cardinals offense. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity here. There's a lot of people that I think um, could outperform their uh, their draft slots, but... Specifically speaking about Keyshawn Johnson, I think he's someone to monitor going forward.
0: Yeah, I think you definitely want some stock in this offense. Uh, Kingsbury is going to have a lot, very high pace of offense. Uh, Murray is going to, you know, they're going to run a lot of plays, and you're going to expect them to not have a very solid defense. So you're going to expect them to get in a lot of shootouts, a lot of high-scoring games. Uh, So you got Larry Fitz at the top. You got Christian Kirk, who's going to be well improved this year. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a nice high-fought offense, and not to forget David Johnson, baby. All right, so
1: uh, that's it for the news. That's what we got today. Um, I, I guess let's jump right into the league settings, right? So, you know, people are are setting up their fantasy leagues right now. They're, they're deciding, you know, how many how many teams they want in their league, how many, uh, whether they want to do standard, a half-point, or full-point half full PPR, um, you know, different league settings here. So, so Greg, I guess let's start this conversation off talking about some of our favorite league settings or some of our preferences in terms of league settings. Um, so are you a half point PPR guy or are you a full point PPR
0: guy, Greg? So, you know, beginning I was one of those like, old man, get off my lawn people when I was in standard. And when PPR first got introduced to me, I'm like, I don't know what this is about. Like why should receivers get any more value than they're getting? But it totally makes sense having a half point PPR and now I'm all for full point PPR. I'm I'm all about getting receivers as much points as they can get. Uh running backs own this league. Uh you can just tell by looking at the draft today. The first six spots of the ADP are all running backs. So it's good to give some wide receivers some more love. I'm all about the full point PPR in this situation.
1: Yeah, I mean um I despise standard. Uh, hence why I didn't even ask you about standard because uh, hey, but if you play standard and that's your you know, that's that's for you then then by all means go for it um, You know, we still have our opinion on players uh, that are better in standard or have more value in standard than they do in, in half point or full point PPR but um, Just personally not for me. I think that if you play in, in deeper leagues, you know 10, 12 um, 14 team leagues, you know half point to full point PPR that's really going to help add value to some players um, that otherwise would be on the waiver wire. Um, but as you mentioned, you're, you're you like the full point. I I have trouble you know fully committing to a full point PPR league. Uh, I think that half point is is kind of just right. Um, but I'm always down to mix it up. I like playing different different kinds of leagues. Um, you know, forces you to to look at players that you otherwise wouldn't necessarily look at. Um, I guess for me, just the full point PPR league, it it really, while it does make the receivers really good, it puts guys running backs like Todd Gurley and Christian McCaffrey and uh, Le'Veon Bell of of old, it puts them into different stratospheres because now you're getting a a running back, a starting running back, an elite one, that's going to get you 20 points just from the rushing production. But now this guy's gonna over here, going gonna go over and get you another fifteen to twenty points just from the receiving. So you know these guys are almost you know it's like starting two players in one spot. Um, so it makes them worth the the top pick. Um, they'll still go. Um, I don't I don't know if you have this in front of you here, Greg, but full point PPR. Uh, how is that? How is that? How where are running backs or where are where running backs going in, in terms of full point PPR versus the receivers?
0: Uh, when we're talking about full point PPR, definitely puts guys, emphasis on guys like Saquon, McCaffrey, Kamara, like you were saying, uh, and you want to start looking at people like Zeke, who's still not in camp, by the way, but if he's not, if you see him getting uh, some carries and you see them trying to get him more uh, year in, year out, you're like juicing over that to the fact that this is a guy that leaves league and rushing um, for multiple years, and now you're going to add that uh, aspect of it, it's uh, gonna be uh, really good for him especially for especially physique I think.
1: All right. So um Greg, I know that we've played we have our work league here, the League of Extraordinary People. Um and and one of the things that came up was uh people were were giving up in the league. Um, you know, it's it's week seven, week eight, you know, somebody might be three and five, um you know 2 and 6 and they decide hey you know what my team is shot I'm done I'm not going to pay attention anymore so what do you uh what have we done to kind of combat this
0: yeah totally you know you start the season on 4 you know you're saying your team is trash but think about the fact that we can add in a system where league average is implemented so say you you know had a really good scoring game. You had your team score about 120 points, I would say. But you were going against Kamara and with a stack of Michael Thomas on the other side, and they just had a nice shootout, and you got beat 120 to about 130, 140. 140. So you lost that game. You end up being on one. But if you implement league average, you're most likely going to get over that league average and if we put that into play, you end up being uh, one and one for the week. And that will actually make you more interested to put the best lineup out there first and foremost, which is what we're trying to do uh, in general. And um, I think it's going to help a lot for the leagues, for our league, and it could be an idea for other people to do. Yeah. Just to
1: be clear on what is talking about. So we implemented a system where uh, you could essentially earn two wins or two losses or one of each in, in a given week um, where basically you get a oh you earn a win or a loss for your matchup against your opponent but you also earn a win or a loss for scoring higher or lower than the league average and um, last year in our league we actually did have a team that started out 0-4 um, ended up winning a championship last year um, but that person was really into their league really into the league they were really on top of the waivers um, they had a good team and a system like this. Actually, instead of be, them being 0-4, they would have been 4-4. And, um, and you know, there we're not familiar if any leagues actually have this format. Uh, we we play on on Yahoo, so we're gonna actually be something. This is gonna be something that we're gonna be tracking offline and be importing um, at the end of the season when when the when the playoff standings are set. Um, but we thought this was something that was. Really interesting. It was, a, it was a new concept and we thought that we could add it to our league so that we can help keep people involved throughout the year. Um, I know that other leagues, there's punishments for last place. Um, but, you know, if, if those punishments are being, you know, fully enforced or maybe, you, you know, you guys, your league might have picked a ridiculous punishment where you're making a guy get a tattoo on his rear end and he says, I don't want to do, he or she says, I don't want to do that. Um, and, and you know, so something like this we thought was fair. We thought that the league, um, it was something easy for us to track offline, and it was um, it was something that wouldn't completely disrupt the team standings. Uh, and if you play, a, you know, some leagues they like to play for. You know, maybe you have some money on the line, and maybe this is still a problem in your league. Um, you know, then you know one of the ideas that was that we were introduced to this, this summer was a, um, a security deposit. Where if you you know if you don't submit your lineup one week you lose 50% of that deposit and if you don't set it up for the for the next week then you lose 100% of your deposit. So for those leagues where you have some monetary incentive and and maybe people you know maybe the buy-in is not enough then maybe you can look at something like a security
0: deposit. Yeah, more of the story here is just try to be active. If you're going to play fantasy football in the first place you will want to be active and just the golf of a, a monetary leagues and stuff like that i um, never trying to waste money. So if you're going to go in and play in those leagues, don't waste everyone's time. Be active. You can never know. You can win. You can start 0-4 like Oscar did. You can win the league just like that.
1: And if you are okay with throwing away money, we haven't started a Venmo account, but we will be more than happy to, and you can Venmo that money right over here to us. Um, so moving forward, uh, Greg, what do you feel? How do you feel about the flex spot? I know some leagues, they don't have a flex some leagues are super flex, um, some leagues, uh, it's, it's you know, maybe they have two flexes, um, maybe they have the, the good old running back wide receiver flex and the wide receiver tight end flex. Um, how, what's your opinion on flexes, Greg? How do you feel about those?
0: Definitely like the flex option here. I uh, just think when you're coming down to sit starts, that's where I really look at it. You have uh, three really good players and Usually in leagues that I played in in the past, I'll have one flex spot open and you'll have three guys and, you you, you know, you're going through all the analysis for all of them. You're scratching your head day in and day out of who you want to start. But rather than having one flex start, um, you could add two flexes and start just now it makes the decision a little bit easier. Uh, now, if you have three players and you want to start your best two, I can make an easier case for that versus trying to make uh, one player out of the three. For that scenario.
1: Yeah, I think specifically uh, for our for our league, League of Extraordinary People, I I think that we added this um, we added this extra roster spot, whether it was a flex or a wide receiver, a third wide receiver in the past. We added this extra spot just to add some flair to our leagues, and that's one of the things that um, about our league, but just other leagues I've been in in general. um, I find it more fun when the league settings are changing year to year. As opposed to just staying the same. Um, that way, you know, not everyone's coming in with the same old strategy. It kind of forces you to think outside the box, come in with a new strategy, um, and do something a little bit different. And, and you maybe you might look at players um, a little bit differently, or maybe you might discover a league setting that you that you that you were a little bit questionable about, but now it's a staple in your league. Like I know for uh, for the League of Extraordinary People, a few years ago we implemented the half the half point tackles for losses to the defenses uh, to help kind of help raise the floor of some of those defenses with the NFL going to a to a, a high scoring high scoring offenses and the defenses are getting no help um you know if every team in the league is scoring 30 points then all the defenses are getting penalized so we we found a way um, to make our to make the defenses more based on the yardage and 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 the, the actual statistical production of the defense as opposed to just the, the points being scored against them
0: yeah, I think you hit on the head there. Making the league fun, having changes uh, from your board of governors, I might say. Uh, I think it just brings some, uh, yeah, some strategy changing every year. And yeah. All
1: right. Well, with uh, the, se- the 2018 season behind us now, um, we're moving towards the 2019 season. Um, Greg, what, what, what have you learned in 2018? And what tips could you provide to not just our listeners, but our listeners that might be new to fantasy?
0: Uh, just coming off of last year, um, I think for sure you have to, like, look when you're drafting, um, I want to say don't try to go solely by ADP. I know you see on your template you see the queue, queue up players um, and you see the rankings for everything. Uh, I wouldn't solely go by ADP go by how the rankings just basically auto drafting the whole time you gotta you guys gotta you know do do some research look for those sleepers and those breakouts it all it takes is a simple google search and stuff like that um and i don't don't be locked into adp also because uh, roster structure is definitely important you don't want to be there stay in the middle of the first round middle picks are usually the worst picks because you, you're not you're not picking uh in a snake. I mean you're picking a snake, you're not doing back to backs uh at times. So you wanna keep in mind a roster construction and don't be locked into ADP basically if I want to say that.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Don't I like to say don't be a slave to the rankings, you know, um don't just sit there and, and, and draft the guys that are that are um that Yahoo or ESPN or you know whatever platform you draft on is queuing up for you. You know, have your own list, have your own rankings, um, and, and, and go by those, right? Um, that's a good one, Greg. I think for me, um, one of the things that I, I learned last year um, was rookie, rookie wide receivers often take time to produce. Um, if you had a conversation with me last year or you knew um, anything about um, my favorite sleepers last year, most of them happen to be uh, rookie wide receivers, uh, Cortland Sutton, Anthony Miller, James Washington, are three that I really, really liked last year, just to name a few. Um, and none of these three were ever truly, really fantasy relevant. I think the one that was the most fantasy relevant last year was Cortland Sutton after the Demarius Thomas trade, and he, has, he had flashed a, a few weeks prior to that. But even after the trade of Demarius Thomas, Cortland Sutton was not a was not a viable fantasy receiver, and I think this is something that we have to remember uh, as fantasy football analysis and just you know football fans in general. Uh, you know we all get excited about rookie wide receivers, um, but you know the wide receiver position is one of the toughest positions to transition to coming out of college and into the NFL. You've got to learn an NFL offense. You've got to run NFL, you got to run an NFL route tree. You've got to match up against NFL defensive backs. Um, so there's a lot of an, a lot of adjustments that needs to be made. And very, very rarely does it happen um, that fantasy, that rookie wide receivers produce in their first year. Yes, there was Odell Beckham. Yes, even a Mike Evans and a Sammy Watkins. Coincidentally all from the same year. But those guys are the exception and not the rule. And I think when we get excited about these rookie wide, rookie wide receivers getting drafted highly, we just have to consider there might, they might need some time to adjust. And actually, you know, kind of off, piggybacking off of this point, um, I look more to the second year and third year wide receivers as the breakout guys and not the first year wide receivers. Um, so Cortland Sutton, Anthony Miller, James Washington are all, all guys that are on my redraft radar as they enter their second year. On their on their respective teams.
0: Yeah, those second year guys I definitely think are definitely important. Uh, just going off of that, I think Tyler Boyd was a second year receiver last year, was he?
1: I think he might have been a third year receiver, but but still, second or third year, second or third year guys. Those are the guys that that we want to um, kind of to target um, and leverage in terms of their in terms of their their draft positioning, where they're going. A guy like Curtis Samuel was a, was a second year, a second year guy last year. And, he, um, we saw him kind of, kind of break out a little bit of, in, in his own, um, but it kind of, kind of, to counterpoint that DJ Moore was a first, was a, was a rookie draft, a rookie wide receiver last year who, who, um, you know, was a fantasy producer last year. Um, but again, those are few and far between. So, uh. You know, while we get excited about these guys and them getting drafted highly, um, you know, let's not expect the same production that we get out of these rookie running backs from these rookie wide receivers. Um, let's, you know, let 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 someone else draft them high. Uh, you know, I'd rather wait till week nine or week ten um, as their snaps start to go up and they get more comfortable on the offense to kind of pick these guys up and, and start putting them in my fantasy lineups. So uh, moving forward with that, another thing um, – you know, people need a fantasy or, you know, maybe you've been playing fantasy for a while and, um, you know, maybe this isn't part of your, of your, of your, of your strategy. But one of the things that I like to do, Greg, is I like to pay attention to the Vegas totals, those, those over-unders, um, the props, the spreads, all of that stuff. Um, because um, I don't know about you, Greg, but I don't have an eight ball, a magic eight ball. I can't tell the future. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, but these guys in Vegas, uh, there's, there's a saying that the house always wins. Um, so I'm gonna side with the house on this one. Uh, these guys, they, they come out with the over unders and, um, they're usually pretty close. Um, and so what I like to do is I like to look at games with the high totals, um, you know, something about a, you know, something around a 46, 45, 46 and a half point over under, um, it's usually like a nice sweet spot, uh, it means a lot of points are gonna be scored in those games. Um and you know uh touchdowns equal points, which equal fantasy points, if you ask me. So um the more points the better.
0: Yeah, I gotta totally agree with that. Looking at over-unders, looking at how high those scores, uh those games are. Just looking at probably the Chiefs last year were probably in a lot of high over under games. Um, looking and I can expect the same for the Cardinals this year. I can see them being in a lot of high scoring games. Spreads you also talked about. Just for game flow purposes, uh, if we're talking about a guy like a PPR running back. You know, if he's going to be on a, a bad team, a, guy, a team that's always going to be down, has a high spread, as a, a underdog, you probably maybe want to look at him and give a little more love to him because the, the game flow will be for them, the team playing from behind, they'll have to start throwing the ball more start catching up. So those players like that you could focus on from the spreads and all that.
1: Yeah, to that point, um, if you have a running back, for example, who is maybe on the other side of that team where they're the favorites in, in a high spread, uh, I typically want to start running backs from those teams because uh, running with teams that are ahead, they typically run the ball, um, and if you're running the ball, then that means my running back's getting fantasy points. So you know, if you look at a lot of the a lot of the uh, the best running backs in fantasy, they typically come from the best teams. And not the worst. Um, so another thing that uh, I learned, or we learned, and um, you know, we have a we have as a tip is is follow the money, right? Those contracts that guaranteed money, the years, pay attention to all of it, um, because that t- tells you what the team thinks of the player, right? They can sit there and tell you how much they love a player or don't love a player, or what how they plan on using them until they're blue in the face and you know, a lot of those end up being lies, but what they can't lie about is the size of the contract and the guaranteed money attached to it. Um, So, you know, different times, various points throughout this show, um, throughout this season, you'll hear us bring up contracts. You'll hear us bring up, um, you know, whether a guy was paid and what it means. Um, But I would definitely take a look at, again, the guaranteed money and the number of years that's on a contract.
0: Yeah. Speaking of people who just got paid, looking at Michael Thomas last week, got his money, uh, you got to expect that for what he's been doing producing wise uh, over the last couple of years. Last year, the man had an 85% catch rate. That is an insane number. Highest among uh, wide receivers by far in fantasy. Yeah. This is one example of people. Just follow that money. Show me the money as Jerry Maguire said.
1: Yeah. Follow the money. That's, that's, that's it. That's, that's real. That's real easy. If you ask me. Another thing I would say is uh, I know it's going to sound a little nerdy, but take some notes. Um, I know Greg has got this I always I always mess around with him. He's got this running thing on his his iPhone. Um it's it's just I pro- I probably I honestly think that it's been a note that he's been he's been adding on to for like four years straight now of just fantasy nuggets. Um but just take notes, things that you know might stick out to you. Um you know just Little like little things, you know. Maybe you might see something in the off season, and, and you know, you write it down, and you, you take a look at it later, and you know, and maybe it's relevant. You know, maybe you might think back to, uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, a guy's having a, a poor performance, you know, week one through four, and uh, you know, you, you wrote down that this guy had an injury, and, you know, now maybe this this guy is a guy that that might turn it around, so maybe you might want to start targeting him. And, you know, but whatever it is, you know, write it, write it down if it, if if you feel like it's important.
0: Yeah, taking mental notes, writing it down, it definitely helps uh, for you. Just as far as debate purposes as well, if you want to get that edge on someone, pull out the notes real quick, like some lyrics or something like that. Uh, in general, it's just uh, good to have, you know, and, and for fantasy purposes.
1: Yep, um, and I think the, uh, I mean, I, the last thing I have on the subject is is just have a process. Um, and, and when I say is have a process, you know, Greg, is, you guys can't see him, but Greg, is, he's chuckling over here because all he can think about is the is Sixers. Um, he's a Sixers fan, so he, he wants to say trust the process. So I'm going to let him say
0: When it's said and done, trust
1: the process. Yeah, so have a process that you trust and then so you can so trust said process. Um, but, yeah, basically, you know, I know for me, I'll on – on you know Tuesday nights, I put in my waivers. On Wednesday nights, I'm going through my waivers. I'm checking, um, you know, who I'm going to put in my lineup for the week. Where else I, you know, where else I need to 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 pick people up. Um, if I have notes on players that I'm I'm, I'm looking at for, um, you know, basically just because I have them, I've been watching them all season, and maybe I see an up uptick in a guy's snap count or something or his touches, then I'll pick them up at that point as well. Um, but I'm making sure my lineup is kind of set for the week. I'm taking a look at my opponent's lineups, trying to see um, you know, maybe what, what they need ahead of the waiver period and maybe trying to maybe trying to block them from getting that. Um But you know, whatever your process is, just have one and just trust it every single week. And uh even if you start out 0-2, 0-3, 0-4, just keep working keep working the waiver wire, keep listening to us, and you know, we're gonna take you out of that hole however the hell you got in there.
0: Yeah, for sure. You you gotta trust the process, especially when you're looking at drafts. You you come in, you're probably looking at that sleeper or that, that guy you think is going to be a breakout. You draft him in probably like the 12th or the 13th round. Uh guy guy like Nick Chubb. is like a guy that was being drafted very late last year. And first couple of weeks they're like, um, you know, not very happy with what the, produce, the production that we're getting with Carlos Hyde doing pretty well in that situation, and then all of a sudden, boom, Carlos Hyde is traded just like that. And I'm pretty sure in majority of leagues, uh, Nick Chubb was on the waiver wire, and they were he was a person that was being drafted at the end of drafts last year. So just trust your process. Trust the guy that you – the sleeper that you think is going to come through for you late in the year because Nick Chubb was a league winner late in the year.
1: All right, Greg. I guess we'll just wrap it right there, man. Um, We'll just call day one a success. Uh, We'll just go from there. Thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate you listening to uh, day one of Fantasy Football Diagnostics. Uh, Please tune in with us next week as we cover our top three sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Bye.